Amen. Let's, let's pray uh, uh, briefly, and then I get into God's word. Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for, for this opportunity, God, to gather, to hear, and to be encouraged, strengthened, and yet, God, at some point, uh, convicted of your word. And God, we pray, God, that God that man would not do it, God, but that, but that your spirit, that he would convict us of sin, convince us that Christ is better, and yet continue conforming us to the image of Christ, our Savior. God, we thank you. And God, use me this morning, God, to make clear your word. Since the sin of Adam, every human born has, uh, has been born incomplete. That every human being born has been born incomplete. Why? Because the Bible says that we are uh, formed and we, we've been born and shaped into iniquity. That 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 because we're born in this sin nature, there is this this need, this this desire for something or someone greater than ourselves. Everyone is born incomplete. The writer of uh, the writer, uh, the wisest man of his time, Solomon, has this to say. He says. He, God, has made everything appropriate that is beautiful in his time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. But no one can discover the work of God, the work God has done from beginning to end. This simply means that everyone Born in this earth is born incomplete to be completed in God himself. That there's nothing you can do or add to your life that's not God that can make your life complete. This means God has put this, this uh, has put eternity in our hearts so that we would not settle for nothing but, but an eternal God. This, the, this desire is inconsolable. That nothing can console this deep and eternal longing but God himself. And yet, many of us, Many of us, we try to fill this void, fill this eternal hole in our hearts with good things. We come to church trying to fill this void. We read our Bibles trying to fill this void. We give trying to fill this void. We serve trying to fill this void. But I suggest, I submit that you can do all those things and yet still be incomplete. That doing good and religious things does not fill the void that God has left in your heart. Yet many of us, we even try to pursue better jobs. We try to pursue better housing, more income. We, we, we pursue better things trying to fill an eternal void. And I'm telling you, 
that does not work. Many of us, we've tried to uh, uh, use sports or we use sexual relations. We, we use these things. We use shopping, trying to fill this void that only God can fill. We want our child to have good behavior at home and at school, hoping that that, that that will satisfy us. And the truth is, none of those things satisfy us. There is this eternal, eternal hope and our hearts only made to be filled by an eternal God. So I submit again that none of hearted creatures fooling around with drink, relations, and ambition with infinite joy and happiness, when infinite joy and happiness is offered. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. In short, he says that we, human beings, creatures of God, we are far too easily satisfied. How many in the room have sought strive for trying to find satisfaction or be filled in something or someone other than God. The Bible makes it clear in Colossians 2.9 where it says, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled with him who is the head over every ruler and authority. When God saved you, he filled you with Jesus. But if I can be real and ask you a question this morning, did you come this morning filled? Did you come this morning truly satisfied to the brim with Jesus? If, if, if God was to strip everything from you but Christ and this hunger for God or for Christ, would you be good? Is Christ enough? Today we're going to be encouraged looking at Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be encouraged and we're going to be, and we're going to see that God, He is more than able and willing to satisfy this eternal longer place in our hearts by an eternal God. So please find your Bibles or on your device, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be continuing through our series called Living Upside Down. We are traveling through the Sermon on the Mount. We are, we've been focusing on the Beatitudes for the past four weeks. Some have said this, that, 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 that the Beatitudes have been called sort of, of, a, of a title page for the teachings of Christ, like, 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 the Beatitudes, they lay out the nature of a son or daughter who belongs in the kingdom of God. We learned, we learned on last week that, that, that each Beatitude builds on the next, that you can't get, get to one without first having it or possessing the next first, the first, the, 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 in order to enjoy this kingdom, in order to enjoy Christ, who is both the king and kingdom, we have to be poor in spirit. Then we move from being poor in spirit to then mourning over our sins. That's it, that, that it's impossible for us to mourn over our sins if, we, if we're not poor in spirit. 
So we are called to be poor in spirit, called to mourn over our sins. And then we are called to be, uh, 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 to be meek. We learned about this on uh, last week. And so uh, today we're going to be looking in, honing in on that fourth beatitude, which is found in verse 6 of chapter 5. So let, so let me read for our hearing Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through, through 6. The word of God reads, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountains. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. They came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor spirit, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be, or they will be comforted. Five, blessed are those, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth for righteousness, for they shall be filled, or they will be filled. I want to talk about just a, a a few things, again, what it means to be blessed according to this text. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? And then what is God's promise for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Now, a few weeks ago, I, I highlighted that, 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 that one word that is translated for the word blessed is happy. So what this text is not saying that we should hunger and thirst for happiness. That we should have the strong seek after happiness. That he's not saying that, man, that, that, man, that, that when you in the morning get up knowing Jesus Christ, who is the source of happiness, that you should not desire or seek after happiness. And then men will say, man, okay, no, duh, that makes that makes sense, but, but, but how many of us have made moves seeking happiness and not holiness? How many of us have, have changed jobs to be happy? Change, changed spouses to be happy? Changed careers to be happy? If we could, give, we, we, would, we would give up our child to be happy. Change bosses to be happy, that, that for many in the room, if the truth be told, we've been searching for happiness and not holiness. That whenever we, 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 we seek after happiness or blessedness and not holiness or righteousness, we will be miserable. See, when we put happiness and blessedness as the one thing that we desire, we will always miss it. It will always elude us. According to Scripture, happiness is never something that we should seek after directly. It is the result of seeking God, his character, and his ways. I like how one guy named David Lord Jones said this. He says, whenever we put happiness before righteousness, you will be doomed to misery. Let's say it again. Whenever you put happiness before righteousness, you will be doomed to misery. That, that, that is the great sermon or message of the Bible from, from the beginning to end. They alone are truly happy who are seeking to be righteous. But 
Put happiness in the place of righteousness, and you will never get it. If you put righteousness and the holiness and the place of happiness, he says, you, you will never get it. If you want to truly be happy, truly be blessed, we must hunger and thirst after him who is righteous. And that is Christ himself. So, 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 hunger. So we're, we are not to thirst in hunger for happiness, but, we will, but, but we'll see we're called to thirst and hunger for righteousness. Now, now what does this mean? In, in this Beatitudes, or uh, in these Beatitudes, the author has used two strong words. For the word of poor in spirit, he used the word, uh, 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 the idea is of, uh, uh, is of abject poverty. When he used the word mourning over sin, that, that word mourn is as, is as if you lost a loved one, that, that we are to so mourn over sin just like we lost a loved one. Here he used this is word, this word hunger and thirst. This is to both express an intense desire and deep longing. And this is no passing feeling. A person who is desperately hungry or, or, or thirsty will settle for nothing else but food and water. Y'all know I have a wife and we've been married now for 12 years. Uh, praise God. And my wife, she loves to run. She loves to run. And right now, and this month, she's in some training, trying to, tra tra uh, she's training for a 10K next month. So, 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 so she's on this tip of, of, of running and exercising and all that. But, man, but listen to me. When, when, when my wife, Alicia, gets hungry, running can't satisfy her. That plan cannot do it. When, 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 when my wife gets hungry, she gets hangry. That, that, that she changes to a whole new different person. If my wife goes five to seven hours without eating, I, I advise you not to be around her. Because when it comes to her being hungry, that nothing else would, would, would satisfy her but food. I, there's, there's no amount of, of sweet words I can say. No, no. This food and food alone, she will settle for nothing else. This is the picture here that when it comes to God's kingdom, uh, God's kids who are enjoying the king and his kingdom, we will settle for nothing else but God's righteousness. Nothing that satisfies us. That there's this deep hunger and thirst for righteousness that we see is only found in God. Are you settling for anything but his Righteousness. Now, when we look at the Bible, this, this, this term, it's, it's, it's seen in, in a few ways. Like, the word is seen, I'm going to highlight three ways that we see this idea of what, it, of what is righteousness. N number one, when you look at the Bible, there's, there's this idea of, of positional or uh, imputed righteousness. Uh, it says here, uh, when you look at this, this idea, 
It's someone who has trusted in Christ or who has trusted in Christ for as, as a savior. You get this idea somewhat in, uh, when he says uh, poor in spirit. But here I want to highlight that, 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 that this kind of positional righteousness is when one realizes that he or she is spiritually bankrupt in order to please God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, He, God, made him who, uh, he, God, made the, made the one who, had, who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, listen, this, 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 this is crazy. God the Father sent God the Son, who lived a perfect and sinless life. The Bible says he knew no sin. So when we who is not sinly, what happened? God gives us Christ's righteousness, and we give Christ our sin. So when God the Father looks down on us in Christ, in or next to Christ, he sees nothing but his righteousness. That if, that, that if Christ was standing next to us, but us being in Christ, God the Father would see no difference from us and Jesus. We, we are the righteousness of God. Even though we sin and even though we make mistakes because of what Christ has done for us and those who have trusted in Christ as Savior, we are the righteousness of God. God. But just let that settle in your hearts right now. Let that fill your mind right now. That, that, that though we struggle with sin on earth, when God the Father sees us positionally, we are righteous. We are perfect in Christ is talking about hell. So there is positional, but then there is also progressive and or personal righteousness. This identifies the eternal daily work of God for those who have trusted in Jesus. One guy says this, we cannot welcome Christ as Savior without letting him be Savior over every area of our life. Here's where Christ is making you what he has made you. He's made you this, now he's making you this by the power of his spirit and by the power of his word. Look, look, look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Uh, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in, in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work his good purpose. In progressive or personal righteousness, God the Father, through the power of his word and his spirit, he is conforming you and making you and causing you to delight in the one who has saved you. The, the, in this progressive 
route. He's conforming you to the image of his Christ using three things, his word, his spirit, and loving obedience. That you, that one cannot say that he or she is progressing in Christ-likeness if they're not delighting in his word, being used by his spirit, and then by his spirit and in grace, uh, 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 obeying Christ. So there is this positional, there is this progressive that is also personal, but then there is a, there is a progressive that is social. There is a progressive social righteousness. This aspect of righteousness is what we, lo- that what we should long for when we seek, seek for the world to be right. In short, it is those who have been made right and are being made right is now seeking to make the world right. It's because God has made you right and is making you right, you have now the strong desire to see right. To see right done with every person and in every place. This has been God's heart from the beginning. That God, since Adam and Eve's sin, has always fought for, delighted in those who, 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 are, who, who are suffering due to the effects of sin. We see it in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, Jeremiah 22, verse 3, Micah 6 and 8, Psalms 82 and 3, Matthew 7 and 12, but also we see it in Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 17, where it says, learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the father. A version says this, and plead the widow's cause. Eugene's version says this, learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go to bat for the defenseless. See, God is just not concerned about personal righteousness, but also the social aspect of it. This verse, this verse, and y'all, and let me read it so that I can get it down. It says this here in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Isaiah was reminding Israel what God sought for and from them as a people. See, they were not doing good at all. So God tells them that they should learn to do good and to seek justice. That they are seeking the good and what is right for others in a lost and dark world. God wanted them to correct the oppression that was causing harm or neglect to the fatherless or for the widows who had no ability to seek justice of their own. When the orphans and widows were neglected, the Jews then and the people in James' day were not doing what God described as pure religion. It's, 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 it's a sad testimony that when we, the church, see injustice in here of oppression and we do nothing. We're so concerned about our hearts being right. And yet we are not as concerned as God using our hands to make right in the wrong world. 
See, if you are experiencing any amount of the kingdom now, you, you desire now to see the kingdom now and not just later. There is this hunger and thirst. God, listen, what I, what I am experiencing in Christ, I want to see it now on the earth. And if that's not your part, if that's not your desire, I'm questioning, man, I'm questioning, man, are, are, are you truly experiencing this kingdom life? He says that those who have experienced the kingdom and the king have a hunger and thirst to see right in the world. That we just can't stand by and see wrong happen. That we have to step in and, and tuck up for those who cannot. And y'all, the church, the church has, we've got, we've become so focused on us that we've lost what God has left us here on the earth. It is to make him known. It is to be Christ in dark places. It is to be light where, where there's dark, salt where there is no salt. Where there is to be a voice, where there is no voice. See, those who hunger and thirst desire for the whole complete righteousness and not selling for just the personal righteousness. And so many of us were saying, God, if you just get my heart right, I'm good. God said, no, 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 no. As, as I'm getting your heart right, I'm also strengthening your hands to, to do good, to do right. And I want to do, we have a hunger and thirst to seek righteousness. Uh, author uh, uh, and, and now teachers, he says this about this verse. These people, those in Matthew 5, 16, the one that, 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 that God has sent is blessed, these may, that they may wholly be God, or do God's will, will from the earth, but that justice may be done everywhere. All unrighteousness grieves them and makes them homesick for the new heaven and new earth. I have a question. Are you so homesick of heaven that you know that you will experience later, that you're not so gun-ho to see a, a, a glimpse of it now on earth? Are we so caught up into where we're going to go and not where God has left us to make change in a, in a world that needs to see change. See, we must both hunger for personal and social righteousness. We can't have one and not the other. It's that, 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 that because we have been made right and we are being made right, we want to also do what is right. See, when it comes to social justice or social righteousness, it's accomplished as we passionately advance the gospel in evangelism, missions, and discipleship. However, we must desire to equip the church, to, to equip and to give the church strength to care for the weak and voices in our society. What is described here is a life in which we not only genuinely grieve over the weight and pain of sin, but also take a bold stand against sin and its effects. Are you taking a stand against sin and the effects of sin in this world? We take a stand against racism, classism, Abortion, 
poverty, gender equality, and how God deems it so. We speak up in love against injustice of any kind. We fight in love for the helpless and for the victimized. In short, we reflect Christ's love by engaging all injustice for the glory of his kingdom. We just want to see the world right. Because we are being made right and because we have been made right. So this, this rightness, it travels through. So what God is doing in us, he also wants to do through us. It just should not settle for personal righteousness. It's, it's both and. It's personal and it's social. A few months ago, here in Cedar Hill, in Cedar Hill, there was an incident at a, at a particular restaurant in this area where an African-American was not served because there was, this, because there was this argument between him and this other person over Trump. Now, I'm not saying that, 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 you, are a, that you are a racist if you support Trump. I'm, nobody, nobody said it there, and I'm definitely not saying it now. But because there was this debate over Trump at this restaurant, uh, y'all, the manager did not serve this guy. He chose not to serve a guy because of his race. And so I'm seeing this, it's hurting my soul, but what I saw brought joy to my soul. I saw whites, blacks, young, and old, Hispanics. I saw, I saw everyone, they were, they were uh, 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 picketing in love this restaurant, simply seeking justice. Simply seeking, man, that, 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 that the right thing be done at this restaurant. If you, if you go back in, rewind, a year and a half prior to that, in Oak Cliff, Texas, that's my hood, y'all, there was a picketing against Planned Parenthood. They were trying to inform the young ladies coming up there is a different option. That rather than killing your baby, decide to let your baby live. And y'all, I know this for a fact. There were church adopt him or adopt her. You don't have to kill the baby. There is a better option. There is a better option. And I understand that, that, when, that when we, the church, see this, see this kind of sin and are the effects of sin, are we willing to stand up for a, a child in the womb who is voiceless? Are we willing to fight for a child? Are we willing to fight for the, uh, uh, for the uh, uh, unjust systems and programs that keep people of certain ethnicities behind because of the, of the color? Are we willing to be a voice in that when we are at our jobs and we're sensing how there have been systems set up to hold folk back because of age, gender? Are we willing to stand up and fight for that? Are we willing to be a voice? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be a voice for God in these places. 
Listen, the only hope that we have is Christ, and Christ has left the church to represent him. If we don't say anything, who will say anything? We're so excited. Listen, we should be excited about our positional place in Christ. We should be excited about, man, what he's doing in us and how he is conforming us to Christ. But, man, did you, don't you see Christ in the Gospels pushing back evil? Don't you see Christ in the Bible uprooting dark and dead systems? Don't you see Christ undoing what sin has done? He's passed the torch to the church. Say, tag team, then what I did, then you do. And listen, 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 I'm not going to leave you to do it in your own strength. I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to put God inside you to enable you to do what God would do, not what man would do. We do it in love, not out of hate. We do it in love and not out of spite. We do it because he's done it for us. Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do we really want to see change in this world? Or are we good that our souls are saved? Are we too lazy? Is it too uncomfortable to say something? Are you willing to risk the loss of your job because Christ lost his life for it? the church have a savior behind us that says if I be for you who can be against you I've seen I heard of people who stood up for a job and got fired because they, they, they just so wrong to know that's not right that's not right and got fired and God moved them over to a different job because God, he is, he, he is the creator and sustainer of our what door God opens can no man shut. God is faithful to his children. See, when we stand up for right, we have to trust that God, he would do right. Do you hunger and thirst to hunger and thirst for progressive Righteousness, that's personal and social. He says, the way will be filled. The way that this verse is constructed in the Greek says this, that when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, only God can and only God will fill you. God, he will satisfy you. The word, the word describes an ox in a stall being filled of food. It, it describes where the master has been faithful and feeding and giving water to the ox. And the ox is so, the ox is saved, he, he rests. He goes to sleep being filled. There is a rest that the ox experiences as his master Fills him. Augustine wrote, God has made us for himself, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. 
See, it's because we are in Christ we have rest. It's because God is in us, forming us to make us. We have rest. It's because God has made us and is making us and is doing right through us. We have rest. But we also have an ultimate rest. See, we understand the mystery of the gospel, that what we experience here on earth is not the last of it. That what we experience on earth is not our best life now. No, there's a life to come that is better than the life we are living in now. John on the island of Patmos writes this in, in, in Revelation chapter 7. He says, for this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. For they, the one seated on the throne will shelter them, for they, for they will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When I see the injustice, brought home by sin, God in me causes me to weep. This weeping drives a hunger in me, son, not out of loving obedience. Do something. Just don't sit back and watch. Do something. Make it right, son. Be a voice, son. Stand up, son, for what is right. And know that I, I, son, I, I got your back. In closing, let me read to you what I feel like God gave to me as I was sitting down and wanting to end the result of what we feel like this sermon should move us to do. Blessed, happy, favored, accepted by God are those who hunger, who has this desperate desire to for righteousness, that is, for personal and for social righteousness. And when we have this desire, he said that God, he will feel satisfied, make them be at rest. So what am I asking, what am I asking God for at Ambi? What am I asking God to, for us to do on an individual basis and as a church? I'm asking that we, that as we seek him and his righteousness, that we we'll, that, that, that we'll alone for God and thirst for him daily according to Psalm 42, 1 and 2. That personally, I want us to long for, desire for God more than anything else. I am begging that, that, that we would know with our minds and believe in our hearts that he will satisfy us with good things according to Psalm 107 verse 9, that God, he will satisfy ourselves and feed our hearts with good things from him. I'm praying that God would develop and defend and love those needing 
to be protected. I am praying that God will make our ears sensitive so that we hear the hurting in our community and we help. We do something about it. I'm praying that, 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 that we respond with our hands to help right the social ills because the gospel calls for us to do so. I'm praying that we will have the courage to stand up when no one else will. That when no one else will stand up for what's right, that God in that moment, he will quicken your spirit. Bring to the forefront of your minds what we are to hunger and thirst for. I'm asking that God would give us wisdom and strength to work for justice, to help the down and out, to stand up for the homeless and go to bat for the defenseless. In the righteous name of Jesus, I pray, amen.